Welcome to the latest edition of the Foxy Digitalis podcast. I am Brad Rose, of course. Uh, how's everybody doing on the first day of December, which seems completely bananas to me. I don't know how it's already December and who allowed that to happen, but here we are in December. Um, off last week, of course, because it was Black Friday. No, it's just, you know, it was a holiday week, so... Took the day off. Um, but back and better than ever today, uh, at the end of the episode here, the last half, actually more than half, have a conversation with Greg Kowalski, mostly about his latest album, SOS. Uh, the album of the week is Post Duke's Udvert Rave on Coda Tones, which more on that in a minute, but holy shit, what an album that needs to be in your, uh, it is Bandcamp Friday, of course, so um, you know, possibly the last one, I would guess. I don't know. But anyway, uh, Post Dukes needs to be in your cart. It is so good. Um, things here have been pretty good. Busy as ever. Just, I don't know. There's always a lot going on. Um, gonna be next week's going to be kind of a weird week. I'm going to try to get an episode out. Like we're going to be traveling, uh, for part of the week, but I'm hoping I can get it recorded just over the weekend and scheduled because as we get to the end of the year, I don't know, there's, there's just so much freaking music that I keep hearing that I want to talk about. Um, and I got a really good conversation with Steve Rossborough, um, Omni Gardens, Moon Glyph. It's really good. And I really want to get that. I got a, yeah, there's, there's really good stuff. And I still need to get the thing with Ned Raggett where we talked about music cataloging and have a lot of other stuff I want to do. Never a dull moment. Um, really fun songs of our lives this week. If you missed it with Natasha Pickwicks, she is a pastry chef and a writer. She put out her first cookbook this year, more than cake. And it is so good. And it was, yeah, it was really, really fun. Like one of the things I really want to do with songs of our lives is have non musicians on, uh, but people, you know, people who love and, and kind of obsess over music and think about it a lot, but, their whatever you know their their practice or whatever you know whatever they do it's just not in necessarily like in the music world so they don't get a chance to talk about it so i'm really excited about that like I've, that she was like the first one and was all kind of the top of my list just because of her um history with foxy digitalis but um there's some really fun ones coming up and a lot a lot of interesting stuff in the works some different things some two-part episodes um hopefully an episode where there, well, there are a couple episodes with two people on at a time, so that's going to be fun. Uh, and we got a Christmas episode coming up, so Songs for Our Lives, Just, you know, subscribe to it, and even better, join the Patreon, and you get it a week early, and you get extra stuff, and it's just, yeah, I don't know, I'm having so much fun. I recorded one today, this morning, and the person I was doing with, there's like, you just do this so that you can get good like good music recommendations and hang out and have fun talking about it I'm like pretty much that's it nailed it found me out <laughs> so anyway okay a couple uh things that got announced this week or recently since the last one that i think you should check out or you know i don't know consider for your if you're if you're picking up some stuff today um Karen Vote has a new one coming out on Night Hive, which is Penelope Trapp's label. Uh, it's called Waterlog. The first track, We Coalesce, sounds really good. I'm really excited about this, and I'm, I really love the cover. I was looking at it the other day, and it's like black and white, but then it has this really nice blue, like, graphic element to it. Oh, it's, I'm a sucker for stuff like that. I'm telling you, like the first one had this red, which is really nice, and I'm, so I'm, I'm guessing that's kind of the template that the that uh, Penelope's using for this and I love it. I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Um, I'm, I love, I don't know. I love templates like that and things. I obviously just look at the jewel garden. Um, 
Oh, speaking of Jewel Run, there's a new album from the North Sea, which is me, out today, uh, called Somewhere Between Something and Nothing. I didn't know if I was ever going to release this album. It's super personal, and it's um, all strings and stuff and doesn't sound anything like the North Sea. Um, but I shared it with some people, and they convinced me to release it, namely Nina Dante. They were like, no, 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 you really need to. This is, like, really good. So... I don't know. It's a little scary to have it out there. It feels super vulnerable, um, but I'm also really proud of it. It's weird, you know. It's the nature of the beast. But uh, yeah, so that's out on the Jewel Garden and um, new Jewel Garden templates coming next year. It's already designed. And um, actually, if you subscribe, there was an Ajalaska release for subscribers earlier this week, and it is in the new template. So look at that. All right. Um, so yeah, Karen Vote Waterlog on Night Hive. Also, uh, Eric Mingus has a new one out on ouch records called dog water. It's awesome. It's really good. It, and it features his song grinds my bones, the mill, which is, it's the one that he performed, uh, back in the spring or the summer. I don't remember exactly when it was with yo-yo ma, but this has the original version of it on there. And it's, it's honestly one of my favorite songs of 2023 It is so good and moving and just hits you in the gut incredible and then the last one i'm going to mention everybody's probably heard about this one but i'm kind of obsessed with it it's uh, orchards of a feudal heaven from the body in disfig and it's so it's so gnarly and so good um i guess it, the person i was talking to about the songs where lies today was actually with uh felicia chen disfig so that's one of the things next year there's going to be a two-part episode hopefully first one with her and second one with one of the guys from the body just because this record rules and it's yeah so something to look forward to all right that's a lot that's enough i think it's time now to get into the album of the day udmurt rave by post dupes heard anything like this at least that i can think of and it's it, i just can't get enough of it it is i've had i've had this for about a week maybe a little more and i've listened to it so many times i'm i'm a little bit obsessed with it it's yeah i can't i can't recommend this enough so uh, a little background because i feel like it's kind of integral to understanding this record and kind of getting the most out of it but so post dukes are from ishkar udmurtia udmurtia i'm I'm apologizing in advance here for some of the pronunciation. I'm going to do my best. Um, but so it's an area in central Russia that's near the western edge of the Ural Mountains. And Udmurt means meadow people in their native language, which coincidentally, um, this so this whole record, the entirety of it is sung in that language. And there's only around 270,000 native speakers. Uh, that talks about in the liner notes, you know, how indigenous languages are threatened and dying out. We see that a lot here in Oklahoma with a lot of the, uh, the different tribes and their language and, and, you know, developing programs to keep them alive and keep them going. Um, so all of that, like just instantly, I think that's just, that's to, to hear them make this extremely like modern forward looking record and bring those elements into it. Um, like, you know, thinking about keeping languages alive and I mean, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. So, um, anyway, the, the album, the music, so it kind of, it combines traditional folk elements and then like really, like I said, forward thinking electronica. It's like, it's really, there's like, it, it's so cool because there's, el there's at the same time, like these things are going on at the same time where it's really, it's, it's got, like I said, it's like this, you know, folk um, very almost like ancient old world world feeling thing, but then it feels super futuristic at the same time. 
and the way they like thread that needle and and combine those things is oh my god it's it's unbelievable like it it finds this intersection of sound that is so infectious and interesting and just good and it just creates this entirely new form so sonically it's it's really diverse the there's like really interesting production techniques and like there's there'll be like these sharp sort of synth timbres and the the beats and the rhythms are fucking great um the, you know there's aspects here that kind of like in those rhythms and like the bass lines that remind me of one of my all-time favorite electronic albums a great dose of monotonous techno techno um just in the sort of relentlessness and the there's like a there's a level of detail um that touches on in like same zones as that record like it's very different but i if if you love that record like i do you will you will find a lot to love here um just in like in that aspect of it because then the other, you know the musical layers it gets very different um but you know you take all of that and all those electronic elements but the way that post dukes layer these acoustic instruments with the synths and the bass and the drum machines that takes it to this whole other place. You know, there's some really great guitar riffs. There's the, the Udmurt violin, I think is one is this sort of like integral piece of this. It's, it kind of, it, it's just, it's so unique and it's like engaging and it's the, the aspect of its sound and just like sonic quality to me, it's the thing that bridges the old new world and new worlds in this music. And the, the like the melodies they it's so cool to hear like the melodies played on this violin and these melody you know if if you've listened to any kind of uh you know like folk music from this region um you know i think of like the holostrana records and some of the the different like chord progressions and just the scales that they use you know and they're you, you you get that on this violin, which feels like ancient, like the, there's the, there's texture to it. And, but then the way that it sort of snakes through these electronic patterns and rhythms, oh my God, it's fucking great. And all of that's amazing. But the voices is like, 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 let's talk about the voices because that that's like the real big star for me. So, uh, Tatiana, Tikhanova and Lilia Leonteva, Leonteva, I don't, Leonteva, ugh. you know, I took Russian for a year and a half in college, but that was a hundred years ago. Um, but they, they sort of sing circles around each other and these melodies are so like they, when you hear something that just feels like it comes, it's like part of you. Right. And it connects to something inside. You're like, Whoa, I didn't know. It's like, it's this spirit that I feel like is just this connective tissue in the world or something. And you know, like they just, they, they sing these like beautiful melodies and their harmonies and the, and the, just the, the cadence of all of it is so, <laughs> it's so good. You guys. Oh my God. I don't know. I'm, I love this record. The more I listen to it, the more I get out of it. I can't recommend it enough. Um, it is, you know, it's Bandcamp Friday today, maybe the last one. If you only buy one thing, this should be the thing you buy because this is legit one of, I, I think this actually technically came out in, in 2020, but then um, Coda Tones has done the vinyl reissue this year. So we're calling it a 2023 release. This is one of my favorite 2023 albums. Full stop, hands down. If we want to call it a reissue, maybe it's my favorite reissue. I don't know. It's fucking amazing. So do not miss it. <laughs> So I am super stoked to have Greg Kowalski in the seltzer salon section of today's episode. Uh, I, when SOS, his newest album was announced, I, I knew and, and I heard it, especially when I heard it and it was so different. I was like, I got to talk to Greg. I got to figure out, I got to know the story behind this and know how we got here. 
Um, because yeah, I mean, Greg, I, I'm a big fan of his, been a real admirer for a long time. Um, I, I talked a little bit about this uh, a couple weeks ago, and this was one of the albums of the week, but it his tape chants, like that whole series, um, that period of his sort of practice is it's some of my favorite music from that sort of era and that scene and just you know, his drone work in general. I just think that it's just so, it's so good. And it's, it's stuff I, I, I return to on a pretty regular basis. So when this came out and it was like these DX seven, like patterns and arpeggios and really like it was, and it was, it felt very sort of fluorescent and, Oh man, I was like, whoa, but it still, there's still a part of it. It, it, it feels like a Greg Kowalski record. And so uh, I knew I wanted to talk to him. I, and so, and so, yeah, we, we get into all that and we talk about the cover. We talk about, you know, which cause the cover is one of my favorite covers. The art, oh my God, the art, the color. Like I love when I think, and I said this in the thing, but I just love when like an album cover and like the color palette of it just matches the music. I think it's cool. So anyway, uh, Greg and I, we chatted a couple weeks ago on zoom, had a great time. Uh, again, SOS is out now on Mexican Summer. Highly recommend it and hope you enjoy this conversation. All right, my guest today is longtime friend of Foxy Digitalis who has a new album called SOS out now on Mexican summer. Everybody say hello to Greg Kowalski. How is it going, Greg? Hello. Hello. <laughs> Do, going well, going well. little heat wave in Los Angeles, but doing well otherwise. Good deal. So yeah. I guess the first thing this is, your, this is your first record in like six years, right? <laughs> yeah. That's kind of my <laughs> incubation period is, um, five to six years based on the last couple of records. Um, yeah. yeah. How I roll. <laughs> hey, everybody, <laughs> you know, we, we all have our own practice and you know, it's, yeah. it works. Um, I th- yeah. So I, I guess, you know, with this one, uh, the guy, there's so many things where yeah. I'm going to start in kind of a weird place though. Oh, um, that's, I, it's always good. I, the cover and the color palette of the artwork uh-huh. Uh-huh. is I'm obsessed with it. I love oh, it wow. so much. That's awesome. Um, can I you do, tell I, me a little bit about the cover? Yeah. I just got <laughs> co- like physical copies last yesterday. So I saw them for the first time. Um, yeah, I was, I've no- done my album art in the past, like for Laurent Laurence, I did that artwork. Um, and for this album, um, I just wanted to get stuff done because it had been so long. So, um, I was like, okay, I was just kind of like, I should probably have someone else do the artwork this time around just to kind of expedite, um, <laughs> expedite things at this point. But, um, I found, um, yeah, I, I saw, um, I saw the palette as well. And I, um, um, and it's an artist, Jessica Poundstone, um, her palette and pattern that I, that I ended up using. And then I did the layout along with the label. Um, and it act like actually the palette works with well with the last record, oddly, like the, um, the, uh, front, um, the font in the front is almost like the same orange in Larange. Mm. I always like having stuff kind of, um, you know, kind of flow together like that. But, um, what, um, when I was making the music on this album, I was, um, it like in my head, I was seeing like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Oscar Fissinger's, um, um, visual music series, but, um, old like early, early animation. Um, and it's all like, um, saturated shapes and colors, um, saturated colors and shapes. Um, that seemed to go well with, you know, that's kind of what I saw in my head and I would, um, I've always been into his work. And so I kind of, I think after I finished, I went back and looked at his, a couple of the animations and, um, he normally has like, I think classical music, but, um, so I had the shapes 
and colors, not necessarily that palette, but that's kind of the visual I got um, when making this record, which originally like I was going <laughs> to, I was going to uh, keep the like orange to blue, you know, I was going to go blue on this record um, <laughs> based on the last couple of years. Um, and it's called fountain blue. And, but um, yeah, so like the, those, those animations along with the palette and the, and the um, pattern kind of all made sense to me when I, when I saw it. So um, yeah. Um, lovely, lovely palette, lovely. Her work's great. Everybody should check it out. Yeah, no, it really like having her listen to the record many times, like it all goes ties in like really well nice. to me. So uh, nice. That's awesome to hear. So, okay. So, about the actual the music yeah 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 <laughs> important part of the thing i don't know i'm uh, like always <laughs> always highly interested in the design for sure yeah me too so i'm happy, I mean, to, happy to talk about it it's one of my favorite parts of making a record is like doing the Absol album covers ab absolutely <laughs> absolutely um but i am curious so uh, if you could talk a little bit about the sort of inspiration and motivations behind the album because in like what sort of pushed you like exp exploring like FM synthesis and, and like MIDI um, yeah. like data and stuff in, in this sort of new way. I, uh, yeah. Um, I been using like the DX seven a lot in the past. I, I can't remember if I used it on the last album or not. Um, but I have a, I think I, I must've cause I, I got a DX 100, which is like a smaller version of the DX seven to, for for touring and playing shows so i must have so i started dabbling with it then i mean i think mainly that the sound of the dx7 is the sound of my youth um i grew up in the 80s and um every like tv show theme song was made on a dx7 and right. um one that stands out is uh, <laughs> i don't know if i'm um i was um that show doogie hauser the young doctor yep Oh yeah, that, that theme song has been in my head since then, and it, That's like, awesome. and I don't know why, but um, so I, I yeah, so the DX7 I just is like a, a nostalgic sound, um, and that and the especially the roads on the DX7 that that's like its mm -hmm. main that and it, it really warm, and I'm always um, you know that if I say anything like if I have a sound. I seek out like a warm, warm sound, warm tone. Um, so I'm using like low frequency sine waves or, or the fender roads and the instruments that I, um, can convey that. Um, and so that was the connection to the DX seven. And I also wanted to, um, was like, nobody uses it. I mean, people use the synth, but I, I literally, I wanted to sort of bring some light to it and use it tastefully. Um, Cause it, I mean, it, there's, it's, you can go deep in the, um, FM synthesis and the programming. Um, and so that was the connection to the DX seven. Now, like the MIDI stuff was a complete surprise accident, um, breakthrough. Cause I, I was, I mean, I really was not after my last record. Um, I was pretty much like, felt like I said uh, what I wanted to say over the, over my like 20 years of, of making music solo and date palms. And I just was, I guess, felt like I had reached the end of a certain, like certain, um, process that I'd been using in long form drone. And, um, I also felt like no longer have the sense of patience that's required or pacing in long form music. Um, for better or for worse, um, I'm sure I'll get back to it. But I, I, I just like honed a process for so long that I just got yeah. um, tired of it, and I didn't have something to replace it with. And um, I couldn't. Then nothing was coming, so I was just like, oh, maybe this is um, this is where it ends, um, or <laughs> or or take a break or whatever. Um, right. Um, and then um, the pandemic happened. I relocated to Miami, where I grew up. Um, to, to work on an album, which kind of uh, happened like the last two months I was there, I was there for like a year and a half. So, um, didn't really, you know, the plan was to go down there for like three to six months, right out the pandemic, finish an album, come back. And that's not at all how it worked out. <laughs> um, 
I ended up getting like, I ended up getting sick early on. Um, when I got down to Florida, um, early, uh, uh, I think I got the first shot and not to talk about the, um, pandemic in the, but I ended up getting a long COVID and that's why I'll mm-hmm. leave it. But, um, so I was basically like kind of, um, in the house for like seven months or something. And, um, I, I wasn't really able to make music even I, I, cause my, my head was all like fogged out. And, um, fortunately towards the, um, towards the, you know, I started to feel better after like seven months and, um, and I was sort of like a rebirth, um, not to sound cliche, but, um, and I started like playing around with a sequencer and not with no intention of it, be like being part of an album or mm-hmm. I'm working on an album. I just was like, it was just like to relax. Um, and yeah. I was just programming little sequences, which I think is how I started off making music was playing around with probably one of those Dr. Rhythm boss, um, you know, drum mm-hmm. machines, you know, mm-hmm. but it has like vibraphones and stuff. So I would learn how to like build patterns and sequences that was probably the beginning when i first started out and so in a way it was like that's kind of what i was doing and it was just to kind of um i would do it every night before i went to bed and over time i started really like these and uh, (laughs) these um sequences and then i was like oh this these this might i might be able to this might there might be an album here Mm -hmm. um which i wasn't and I also was like, oh, I kind of want to just put these out like acapella. And it's really just like these cycles or yeah. patterns. Um, and, um, but I opted for, um, I like a friend showed me some like audio to MIDI conversion software you can do. I mean, you can do it in most programs, but um, Ableton Live especially. And um, I was just messing around and was like, what would happen if I start um i think i loaded in one of those sequences which was fairly um standard because they were like um overt notes clear notes right. like which is what that software I, I you know is probably made for like bass lines right. and specific notes and um and then i would apply like the dx7 to those sequences mm. and started layering them and was like and it i started i really wanted to I guess starting with the last record, try and make music with more movement and more energy. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't really have a basis or process of doing that that like really achieved what I wanted to. And um, when I put these sequences in the software and, and started stacking the MIDI data and, and just choosing different synth patches on the DX7, it was like sounded like there were twelve instruments playing, and I had, I'd never done anything like that. Um, and, you know, I, I, my music in the past has been like, you know, four sine waves and piano. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This um, one caught me off guard. Like, it, and- I, I, I hope so. <laughs> I really do. Because for me, um, it, so yeah, because for me, it's a whole different process and it's, it's totally a new thing for me. But the more I listened to it, I was like, oh, this might just like to other people, this might just sound like my, my music. I don't know. Um, I really never played it for anybody. I made this whole album in a vacuum. Um, and when I, I, what I, when things got really interesting is when I started, um, beating in like, you know, abstract synth pads, like a synth Mm -hmm. pad into the audio to MIDI software, which, you know, it'd be like a 22nd, just like Roland Juno or DX seven, um, audio file. And it would, it would just spat out like a mess thousands of midi notes <laughs> oh wow and um I, and again i never worked with midi really other than having maybe a midi like a vibraphone on one track in the last like 20 years um and so when i hit play on that it was just like it was sort of magical because i was like oh this is it this is it you know i think i found my thing and i think starting out when I started out, I, I there's some I like using software and purposes other than it was designed to be used for, mm-hmm. um, and um, that's kind of what excites me <laughs> about um, making music is like not really knowing what I'm doing, which was another thing. You know, I'd been making music for 20 years, so kind of home. I, I knew what I was doing, right. and um, 
this whole new process, I didn't know what I was doing. And so it spat out thousands of MIDI notes. I would hit play and it would just like be beautiful. Um, and so I just started feeding in all kinds of audio files into it. And, um, along with this, um, you know, the sequences. And so it's all DX seven, um, and, and all, um, and the sequencers are, um, that, that's basically the instrumentation with a couple overdubs. Um, wow. but I didn't know what I was, you know, and so it was, I basically, I would, by ear hear like a wrong note that shouldn't be in, you know, right. the midst of thousands of these notes. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, how do I find this note? <laughs> Cause I, I'm not, like, I have no, nowhere near perfect pitch. And so at first I was like, um, there's probably an app for this, but I was also like, I have all the time in the world. And then it kind of became a fun puzzle to like, yeah, um, fine so it was a lot of, yeah, it was a lot of <laughs> like subtraction. It was like a puzzle of MIDI and I was just basically pulling out for the most part notes I didn't like, or notes that were like dissonant. Mm -hmm. Um, and so every time I fed a file into the software, I never knew what I was going to get. And, um, oh, that was really fun for me. And, um, that's how this album came together. It was just like finding a new process where I, that I haven't used before. Um, and I haven't felt that way in a very long time. Yeah. Um, and that's what got me excited to make an album, you know, yeah. like if I was just going to make another album using what I've like used for the previous, you know, right. 15 years or so, I, I don't think I would have been excited about it. I think, um, so that being said, I, I got really excited about this. And so, um, and then I started feeling better. And so then I moved back out to LA where I started mixing it. Man. Yeah. There's something so, um, I don't know, like do getting into, cause I, cause I totally relate to the, like, I, I've been doing this a long time and I have, yeah. like, there, are, there are processes that it's like for better or worse. It's like, I could kind of do this in my sleep and yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And, and so like, I, yeah, I've actually, I've been working with like MIDI and sample libraries a lot, which is totally yeah. a new thing from, and it's, yeah. It's wild, and it's just that feeling. It's like I didn't know if I would ever feel that way about making music again. Right? You know? Exactly. Exactly. I didn't think I would, um, and the and in a way, I started became okay with that over time because mm -hmm. I you look back on what I've done, and I'm really I I really happy with everything I've done, and I'm stand behind it. And um, so if if I if that was it, I would I kind of grew to be okay with that but um i'm very happy that this kind of felt you know this kind of happened you know discovering right. a weird process and it's funny working with and it's funny that i discovered midi 20 years in um, right. it's like <laughs> usually most it's usually most people's entrance to uh, especially electronic music yeah um i was like i avoided it um but yeah, I, I kind of did avoid it. Um, I saw it like it's what it, um, its purpose and like it, as a format, you know, nothing mm -hmm. has come out better than MIDI for the most part. Right. You know, like yeah. nothing has eclipsed MIDI. It's just always been, um, you know, it does its thing. And um, so, yeah, I, I now, yeah, so I would just like start stacking all this mm -hmm. MIDI data and then. Um, oh, and then over time it's like, oh, okay, I don't need like 15 layers. Um, right. <laughs> and so it's just like, um, but that was like the fun part for me. Wasn't necessarily like mixing the album. That was the problem was I was having so much fun, like making sounds yes. that it was really hard for me to, to trans, um, kind of transition into, okay, yeah. I gotta mix this record. Put something together here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because mixing for me is almost like homework where making sounds is like super yeah. lunchtime fun. Exactly. Uh, I don't know why I just used a um like junior <laughs> high school analogy. It makes per it makes perfect <laughs> sense though. Like mixing is like, all right, I gotta sit down and take this test, but like making yeah. the sounds is I gotta go hang out at recess with my friends and <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like drawing uh envelopes, you know, yeah. automation and stuff. I mean I, I see the um, value in it, of course, and I and I know some people love it, and and there are times when I really enjoy it. But um, as far as just generally speaking, 
Um, so that, that was a problem because like, I couldn't stop, like I had to like pull myself away from just making new, new sounds. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of, uh, well, it's funny here too. I like the story about like basically this needle in a haystack, finding these notes in the MIDI yeah. data and stuff. Like that's been one working with MIDI. That's been kind of one of the, again, it was something I never thought about is like, oh man, there's a bum note in here, but I can fix this. I can like, yeah, right. Whereas <laughs> before it's like, you know, you're, rec I'm recording, I'm playing this live and recording it. Yeah. If I screw up, it's like, shit, got to start <laughs> over. Right. Which is what, you know, like one of, one of its part of its value, you yeah. know, for like, especially for like traditional composers, um, you yeah. know, um, or non-traditional as well. But, um, yeah, like I, I didn't, I tried not to, I didn't go overboard with like, um, I didn't like, cause I also like mistakes and mm -hmm. I don't like perfection. Um, and especially like with digital music, you know, that, that like perfect digital signal. Right. I've always sort of run, run away from. Um, and so I would definitely take out like notes that like weren't, supposed to be in there um that um but i did there were other things that would take place that i would be like where there would just be um like several notes stacked on top of each other or slightly off um mm. and rather than like moving them on i just i try i, I tried not i mean because i also could have gone crazy because i mean right. <laughs> literally thousands of notes i mean if i wanted and i had i caught myself a few times like almost going in that, like going there, it's just like <laughs> that, that that's madness at that point. Um, so uh, that the most of what I would do is, is like when, when like a wrong note hit, um, which was kind of off. I mean, it did a pretty good job. It's the, the, um, the conversion to from audio to MIDI, I have to say, but, uh, um, yeah, occasionally there, it would throw in wrong notes and stuff that would kind of throw, throw off, um, the piece a little bit but um i'm sure like i said i'm sure there's an app for what i was doing manually I'm like sure. somewhere because um i was like yeah but and i almost started looking for one and then i i realized i'm like actually enjoying the process of kind of deciphering this puzzle um mm -hmm. which if you look at it if i were to show you it just yeah it just looks like um chaos <laughs> and somehow it like plays uh, beautifully and that, yeah. that i still don't fully understand that part of it because it looks like it shouldn't be doing that based <laughs> on like the amount of um notes and and um you know because you, some of the notes um the length was like that some of the notes it was tiny right um and they were just for no rhyme or reason really like that's just what it threw out so there it, you know but it was cool to be able to shape some of the some of the sounds a little bit if I didn't really like the way it was um, voicing it, or you know, I I could very rarely did I add add anything. It was mostly subtracting. Um, mm -hmm. But it was fun. It was it was a puzzle, and um, so the whole process was fun to me, and I think that's what excited me about um, making this album. And it also was like hitting goals that I've had for a while that I just haven't been able to hit which was like making my music more dynamic with more movement, with more energy, with percussive elements, which I never really used other than um, like vibraphone and stuff with wind chimes and stuff like that. Um, and I feel like I hit pretty much all everything I wanted to try and do. Um, I hit on this album. And um, so that's, that's pretty like pretty re rewarding. Um, and I feel like it's a, um, sounds different than any of my other stuff for those reasons mm -hmm. um i do think that there is some I, I think like the emotional um component to the music i think no matter what i kind of music i make it's always kind of the same sound if like if you were to listen to my solo stuff and date palms and that is just like a warm sort of um yeah just like a like warm vulnerable sound um that is so i think that's kind of in there but in a different way mm -hmm. um but yeah um i i didn't play this for anybody because i didn't even know if i was gonna 
like I had, there was one day where I had to make the decision. Is this like, actually, am I actually going to like do this? And that, that's like one of those like important decisions, you know, we like if you, when you're making anything in any art form, it's all like problem solving and decision making. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, I had to make the decision, like, is this album worthy material? Um, or do I need to go in a different direction? And it was a very, that, that it was great to make that decision because I just needed to like start working, but, um, it was definitely like, um, I, I felt pretty good about it though. When you have like five years, six years, eight years in between albums, you, you know, you lose a lot of your whatever, um, confidence or, um, trust that you have in your own, yeah. um, ability to make those decisions and make the, you know, it is not, it, it's not the same as it was. So that's where I was like, there was some doubt where in the past that wouldn't have been the case. Like I never yeah. would have doubted, but like, this was all new. And so I didn't, and I didn't play it for anybody. Um, and I didn't listen to any like minded music. Um, which was another thing that's always been important to me. Um, that's a, like when I finished this record and I listened to it, I was like, I don't like have any idea where this fits. Like if I were genre wise, other than general, like electronic music, right. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. and I still don't. Um, and I, it was bothering me for a while cause, it, um, to not have some sense of context. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the all the closest I've come to anything is just like the music I the first electronic music I started listening to in the late nineties, early like late nineties electronic music. <laughs> and that's as far and I don't even know if that's accurate, but that's um so it's yeah, I'm I'm really curious. Um but or it just might be what it is and you know what it is, and that's fine too. <laughs> It's just weird. Yeah. Not, I always have con- like whether it's my music or someone else's music. I need some sort of like context, um, whether it's a year or mm-hmm. style or um, g- yeah. Anyway, yeah, no, that makes I. I often have kind of the opposite problem, like because you know doing Foxy and it's like yeah, um, yeah, you're like, getting tr- a lot. Yeah, and so like trying to separate and like hush that noise basically so i can focus on what's in my head or you know yeah Um, so it's oh wow yeah but it was when i because i was kind of just off the grid for geez i don't know like five or six years and Mm. when Mm. and when i came back like it was very much that i was like i felt like i had no bearings like no idea like i'm like i don't know where i fit it what's going on what i'm doing and how that fits in and it was right it's yeah i mean there's it's it's scary and it's kind of amazing at the same time <laughs> right absolutely um, um yeah I, I think there's value to both um you can find value in both yeah. situations um but i'm always trying to like not create something i've heard someone else do mm-hmm um how successful i am with that i i don't know but it um for my own listening um other than when i was starting out i wanted to sound like stefan mathau <laughs> <laughs> who mastered my record so um nice it, full it, circle there <laughs> absolutely uh, there's been a lot of circles with this album it probably should have been called full circles <laughs> sos is a is a much better title <laughs> yeah um yeah thank you (laughs) um well before we get out of here i did want to ask really quick uh about the like the field recordings and the stuff from the everglades because i thought that was really. i I just really like that component of it i thought it added really interesting sort of like textural counterpoint to a lot of the electronic Mm. sounds yeah um i was just wondering if you could maybe talk about the significance of those recordings and like how that sort of connects to the overall concept or whatever of the record absolutely um when i went moved back down to florida that my intent i wasn't making music and so um you know when i would go down there for like a week at a time i would always say oh that would be so cool to like 
field record in the Everglades or um, in the ocean, which both are like the ocean was like 15 minute drive from where I was. And the Everglades was like a 35 minute drive um, mm. to like get to the border of the Everglades, which basically overlaps anyway. Um, so where I grew up wasn't in the Everglades, but grew up with alligators in the lake and turtles and all and like stuff that i took for granted as a kid that when i'm down in florida now that that's what florida is to me is like the the nature aspect i um that's and so i kind of just threw myself into that because it was kind of intense as you can imagine during that time um in florida which i wasn't quite prepared for and i had never experienced there um but yeah, it was, I just, it was super meditative and I was, uh, one intention was to, um, and hope that hitting record on something would like get me making music again, you, <laughs> you know, um, just into some sort of process. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, there, that there's something to that for sure. And, um, I have a hydrophone, so I was using the hydrophone quite a bit for the, that's what I was using for the most part. Um, whether it was like the ocean or the, um, Everglades and, um, and I'd done that maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago when I was down there once and, um, heard frogs chirping when I, when I just got the, um, hydrophone, but I would like take my headphones off and then I wouldn't hear them. I'd put the headphones back on and I'd hear the frogs chirping again, which like, I was like, what's wrong with my equipment or like my and st- like just weird and so basically frog i didn't know this but they can chirp underwater they have like a bellow a air pocket um but it just sound and i recorded manatees um that squeak underwater and like when they're talking to each other they're like this huge several ton animal um and so yeah it was just again like i we can't hear what's under there it's exciting for me to see what's under there like um, it's also very meditative. Um, and, um, yeah, it was really rewarding. And then it was like, uh, making the album was like, I, 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 when I started making music, I, I was working with field recordings, but, and i wanted to work with field recordings again, um, especially in this album. And I, I had to, um, so in the first track on the album, fragile water, um, concludes with a sound environment that i've heard so many times that i can hear it in my head now is just like cars going over a metal bridge making that like um Mm -hmm. drone um but i was recording that with a hydrophone that was in the water um so it was like picking that sound up filtered through through, you know the bridges and cement pillars that go into the water so it's like this filtered version of that without the air and the wind um and um it felt perfect for the um tone of of that track and then um and then i had to kind of i tried to put more field recordings in and i felt like i was just trying to force them into tracks um so i tried not to like overdo it um and yeah um but i have like oh yeah it was really um i shot i documented it really well i took a lot of photos and videos and um it was really fun. It like kept me sane in Florida, yeah. which is you need something to keep you sane in Florida. And um, it's really it's a, one of the most beautiful places. But unfortunately, it's going to get overshadowed by its um, behavior, so to speak. Um, so, yeah. You're talking to someone who lives in Oklahoma, so trust me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. It's, it's, yeah, for sure. Um, well, that's cool. Yeah, wow. I had no idea that frogs could chirp underwater. Yeah, and uh, cool. I was reading that the air pockets they make, they, the analogy they use was like the hollow body of a violin, and I thought that was kind of cool too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all kind. I've heard um, like I don't know what animal, whether it was fish, turtles, but chewing like um, you know, like the vegetation underwater. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear it at first because it's quite low, and um, turned it up, cranked it, and was and. Like, like, yeah, it was just, that was really cool. Um, cause that was in the Everglades and like, no, um, I hadn't heard that before and, and not really knowing what was doing. It was kind of cool. Um, so yeah, it was, um, I love doing that stuff. I mean, I, yeah. I eventually I'm just going to do some, like a field recording 
uh, album or EP at some point, just because I've amazing. been doing so much of it. And maybe just to kind of prop Florida up as, no, you yeah. know, there's some cool spots here too. I'm, right. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> I, I can't, I'm like, I'm getting this vision of like this whole series of like get people doing just like field recording albums with places like Florida and Oklahoma and like Wyoming. Yeah. Or, you know, it's well, like, yeah. I feel like it was much more prominent um, back like in the early 2000s and i don't really know why that would be the case or but there were so many people uh there was this guy the quiet american that's the name he went under mm-hmm. and he was doing field recordings all over like um southeast asia and um i i tried looking for him online recently can't find anything but um i just remember it, it being quite um pop not popular but there was a lot of people doing it and there you could mm-hmm. find a lot of it um and uh, of course like chris watson um his stuff's amazing and um but yeah i i love doing that stuff it's probably like my form of meditation these days same (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. everybody check out the album thanks for doing this man it was great to catch up like it's been i don't remember the last time we talked it's been so long y'all that is it for me this week um thanks as always for listening there's a bunch of cool stuff on the site this week foxydigitalis.zone really recommend checking out the piece with sonic mud which is this great ensemble kind of based around julia elsas uh and her the ceramic instruments that she made It's, it's so cool there's pictures of them and just i interviewed her and then there's some other like reactions or whatever from the some of the members of the ensemble you know what their experience is like playing these instruments really really excited and really proud of that piece um really cool mix over on the site today uh there's just uh, it's just been a good week i don't know and yeah so foxy just also zone holler at me wherever on social media you know where to find me um patreon.com slash foxy digitalis really appreciate everybody who supports the site by signing up it means the world it's trying trying to kind of boost the patreon a bit so can maybe next year at some point hire uh someone to engineer these podcasts just to open up some more time for me on my own projects but we'll see i don't know i also i mean it's fun putting them together but i mostly like recording them and, and figuring out stuff to do for them um and yeah that's about it i don't know i hope everybody has a good weekend it's fucking december what the fucking hell all right y'all uh don't forget though as you go out into the world and hopefully support some artists today. Um, cause fuck song trader, song trader, but you know, gotta support the artists. Uh, but yeah, remember the sound is for everyone.